Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. For the next three months, our children and family ministry will be online only. We are creating video content that includes challenges for kids as well as activities for families to do together. We encourage you to watch those videos and participate with us each week. Our 9 a.m. worship service will continue to be both in person and online so that you can join us in whichever way you feel most comfortable. And now, here is today's message. Hello to everybody that's here in the room and everybody that's online. My name is Dan Campbell. I'm one of the leaders here at New Hope 365, and uh, Pastor Jason is under the weather today, but I know he's watching online, so that makes me really nervous, but that's okay. So um, there was a, can you grab that chair, Steve? There was an elderly couple that were on a road trip, and uh, thank you, they stopped at a diner along the road, and they finished eating, and they got back in the car, and they headed back out on their their trip, and after about 40 minutes, the wife realized she left her glasses at uh, at the restaurant, so they turned around, and you can imagine what happened. The husband just lights into her. I mean, he just... I can't believe we've come this far and you didn't remember you'd left your glasses. I can't believe. And he just on and on and on, you know, for 40 minutes. You'd leave your head if it wasn't attached. I mean, it's just like all these things, just one after another, you know, as as many insults as he can think of. And they pull in finally after 40 minutes back to the the restaurant. They pull into the to the driveway of the restaurant and the wife is so relieved and she gets out to go in the car and he yells out at the last minute. He says, well... While you're in there, you might as well get my hat and the credit card I left on the table. So, <clears throat> I can't tell you how much I'm becoming that story. I mean, it's, it's like, it's my reality. Well, today, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about COVID contentment. And, um, in fact, that's really the subject is is. Is it possible to be content in the middle of what we're going through related to COVID? And I want to just go ahead and give you the main thought, which is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I want you to say that with me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's absolutely possible to have contentment during COVID or anything else. So let's explore what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 13. And you have to, we have to set the stage a little bit. Paul is writing from prison, this, uh, this book, as he wrote uh, many of his books from a prison cell. He understood what it's like to be in a bad situation. He understood what it was like to be in prison. He talked about how he had been beaten uh, multiple times in his career as a, as a, as a church leader. He talked about how he um, was uh, uh, had suffered the loss of all kinds of things. So he was no stranger to trouble. He's no stranger to struggle. So when he speaks, he speaks with great authority. So in the spirit of that, let's read beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Let's, let's pray. Lord, today that's our prayer that you would teach us how to do all things through you by your strength. I pray that your word would penetrate every negative barricade, every negative thought, every stronghold that has set itself up in our hearts and minds against the truth of who you are and what you want us to do and be. In Jesus' name, amen. I love this scripture. It's so practical. I'm all about practical. It's, It's where I live. It's what I try and do. There are four takeaways I want us to look at from this. But this is one of those you could, you could meditate on all day long and just learn so much. Number one, contentment does not depend on circumstance. Paul said this, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in what, whatever the circumstance. Now, the, the, the Bible dictionary gives four, uh, actually three uses for the word content. Uh, in the scripture, and I want to read them. The first definition for content is to be sufficient for oneself, strong enough, or processing, possessing enough to, uh, to need no aid or support, to be independent of external circumstances, to be content with one's lot, with uh, one's means, though the slenderest. So that's contentment. How many of us have ever said, and I certainly have, when I get blank, then I'll be content. When I get my college degree, I'll be content. When I get that job at fill in the blanks, Dell or um, Applied Materials or University of Texas or... um, Wherever the place is that you have longed to want to work for. Or how about when I get that husband who loves me, that's when it's going to all fit for me. Or when I get that wife who will take care of me, 
That's when contentment's going to set in for me. Or when I finally get my COVID vaccination, then I'm, then I'm going to be content, right? Or when the country finally gets through the COVID crisis, then that's, that's going to be the definition of contentment for me. We, we say that all the time. But do these things really bring contentment? And of course, the answer is contentment is not something that we strive for uh, out in the future. Contentment, Paul says, is an attitude that we have the opportunity to possess right now. Um, John Maxwell wrote a book called The Success Journey, and in it he talks about the fact that many people believe success is a destination. You know, it's a place. It's a, it's a vision that we have that we're going to get there someday, but he points out that, that actually success is a journey. It's it's a process. And he defines success as knowing your purpose in life or growing, growing towards your maximum potential, sowing seeds that benefit others. This is a, one of my definitions of success right now, and that is storing up treasures in heaven. I'm studying that right now personally and just realize that for me, that's, that's going to be the greatest um, measure for me is one day when I'm stand before the Lord and he, he, he weighs out, you know, what I have done on this earth, not for my salvation. We know salvation comes through Christ and his blood alone, but through what the scripture talks about as believers judgment. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. Here's another great definition of, of success. It's when those who know you best love you most. I love that one. That means the people that know all your weaknesses when they love you the most. Now that is success. That, that's a wonderful place. So Paul says contentment is a learned state of being. It's an attitude possible right now in the middle of this crisis. In fact, some of us need to realize that this crisis actually gives us an opportunity to give glory to God in a way that we don't have the opportunity to when things are going well. And so I know some of us have suffered greatly through this contentment. Some of you online have suffered tremendous uh, struggles as the result of COVID. You've lost loved ones as the result of COVID. It's, it's, um, it, there's a tremendous amount of pain and heartbreak and struggle. So this is so powerful to think about. That it's possible. There's a place in God where we can have contentment. Number two, contentment does not depend on the amount of food in our stomachs. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content. John uh, Reynolds wrote a book about John Wesley. It's, John Wesley was... Um, a revivalist preacher in the 1700s. He was part of one of the greatest revivals the world has ever known. In fact, he was the founder, basically, of the, of the Methodist Church, for those of you that know about the Methodist Church and its roots. So it goes way back. And when Wesley was in, in college as a young man, one night he had a, a porter visit him, and it had a great impact on his life. And I want to I tell the story, as was told by John Reynolds, a porter knocked on Wesley's door one evening and asked to speak to him. It was a cold winter night, and after some conversation, Wesley noted the man's thin coat. 
And he suggested, he said, man, you need to get a a heavier coat. The porter replied, this coat, it's the only coat I have in the world. And I thank God for it. Wesley asked the man if he'd eaten that day. And the porter replied, I've had nothing today, but I have had a draft of spring water. And I thank God for it. Well, this began to make Wesley nervous, and, and um, the, so that he reminded the man that he needed to leave and go back to his, his quarter soon because it was soon going to be the time when the curfew would, would set in. And so he said, what's going to happen if that happens? Then you're not going to have anything to thank God for. And the porter said, then I'll thank him that I have dry stones to lay my head upon. Wesley was deeply moved by this man's sincerity. And so he gave him a coat from his closet. He gave him some money for food. And when the man had left, he sat down and wrote this in his journal. I shall never forget this young porter. He convinced me that there's something to religion of which I am a stranger. How are you at being content with little or much? I've gotten better at being content with much. Everybody in here, we we do have much, don't we? Everybody who's online, if you have the ability to go online, you would be among those who, if you look around, you have much. Compared to those in the world, so many who do not have, we have much. But I say to you, if you can be content, with much, which is what you have right now, then I don't think you're too far away from being able to be content with little. But the first step is to be content with what you have, being content with much. Number three, contentment does not depend on how much money you make or don't make. Neither does it depend on being fairly compensated for your work. Paul said this, and I'll pick out some of the verses, some of the phrases in verse 10, verse 12, and then verse 15 and 16. He said this about this subject. He said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. If you find yourself in a job where you're undercompensated, Paul knows your pain. See, God's intent was that as Paul worked hard at preaching and teaching, the churches that he was teaching, where he was preaching, that they would compensate him. And sometimes he got compensated and sometimes he did not. But he points out here that whether he got compensated or not, he learned what it was like to be content in that. He clearly indicates that He knows what it is to be in need. He knows what it is to not be in need. And there is a secret 
he says, to being content. One of the great um, issues related to contentment and making money um, is that we have this idea that making a lot of money is going to bring contentment. In fact, it's probably one of the greatest myths that there is in the United States today is that uh, more money you make, the more contented you'll be. I love the story. We're going to see a clip from the film, It's a Wonderful Life, about George Bailey. Now, the, to set this up, George Bailey, is he lives in a small town, and he had these visions and dreams of traveling and going all these places and going to college and doing all these wonderful things. And, but through a series of events that happened to his family and also by virtue of the Great Depression that set in, he ends up staying and working at his family business, which was called a building and loan. Now, building and loan is an early version of a mortgage bank. Basically, that in the United States back in the 19, early 1900s, all the way through about 1960, 1970, um, that were then known as savings and loans. And basically what it was is people in the community would deposit their money for a small amount of interest. And then those, those pools of money were used as to, 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 for people to, to take and borrow against buying a house. And then you would make payments back into the building and loan. And in the story, we see that there's an, a man named Mr. Potter who is, who is a huge miser, he's, but he's, he's very wealthy. And during the Great Depression, he basically bought up the, uh, the entire town. He bought up everything for pennies on the dollar, except he did not buy the building and loan because George Bailey, the man in the story, had managed to hold on to it. But Potter is so intent on owning the town that he decides he's going to buy off George Bailey. Let's watch what happens. Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? The point? The point is I want to hire you. Hire me? Yeah, I want you to manage my affairs, run my properties. George, I'll start you out at $20,000 a year. $20,000? $20,000 a year? You wouldn't mind living in the nicest house in town, buying your wife a lot of fine clothes, a couple of business trips to New York a year, maybe once in a while Europe. You wouldn't mind that, would you, Jones? Would I? You're not talking to somebody else around here, are you? You know, th this is me. You remember me? George Bailey. George Bailey. <laughs> George Bailey, whose ship has just come in. Provided he has enough brains to climb aboard. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Well, how about the building and loan? Oh, confounded man, are you afraid of success? I'm offering you a three years contract at $20,000 a year starting today. Is it a deal or isn't it? Well, Mr. Potter, I, I, I know I ought to jump at the chance, but I, I just, uh, I, I wonder if it would be possible for you to give me 24 hours to think it over. Sure, sure, sure. You go on home and talk about it to your wife. I'd like to do that. Yeah, and in the meantime, I'll draw up the papers. All right, sir. Okay, George. Okay, Mr. Potter. Oh, 
wait a minute here. Wait a minute. I don't need 24 hours. I, I don't have to talk to anybody. I know right now. And the answer is no, no. Doggone it. You sit around here and you spin your little webs and you think the whole world revolves around you and your money. Well, it doesn't, Mr. Potter. In the, in the whole vast configuration of things, I'd say you were nothing but a scurvy little spider. You, and that goes for you, too. Mr. Potter tried to offer a 1,000% salary increase from $40 a week to $400 a week. But George said no. Why? Because he knew that money cannot buy contentment. It's a lie. George, uh, John Rockefeller was one of the richest men of the last century. He gave away hundreds of millions of dollars during his life. And um, someone asked him once, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money is enough? Rockefeller said, just a little bit more. It's so alluring to think that once we hit that milestone, it'll be enough. But it's not true. And Paul knew that. Now, some of us are not content with our wages. And perhaps it's a, it's a good con- discontentment in that, you know, I know I need to do more and work myself up. And I, and I, and I want to challenge you, if, if that's you today, add those skills into your life. Better yourself. Do what's necessary to get the better job. But along the way, don't fool yourself. At the end of the day, enjoy the benefits of the journey to get there. Because once you get there, there's going to be a whole new set of problems that's going to present itself with the more money that you're making. Number four, contentment is a secret or a mystery found only in the depths of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his power. I mean, this, is, this is the culmination of it right here. Paul said this, I've learned the secret. Why did he say it like that? What's the secret? It's only used one time in the New Testament. The word secret. It means to initiate into the mysteries. You see, it's a mystery, isn't it? That a human being can be truly content with less, with lack even. But it's because contentment is a state of mind and heart born out of the knowledge of who Jesus is in your life and who he's making you into. It does have a lot to do with the journey that he has us on. This journey that we're on is life. It is life. Where are you at today? What are you going through? That struggle, that trouble, it's part of the life of God that he's building into you. So as we're on this journey to relationally love others to God and to love others as Jesus has loved us, as we focus on that, as we spend our energies on that, 
then it's worth the commitment to get there. But it does take commitment to get there. And Paul gives us some of the most fantastic. These scriptures are so powerful uh, in in giving us practical steps on how to do it. But we're going to have to make some changes in order to line ourselves up with what God wants us to line up with. And they're found in verses 4 through 9. So let's look at those, look at these changes, look at these, um, these points of daily commitment. Here they are. Rejoice always is the first one. He says it, he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in all things. Number two, be gentle in your dealings with others. Being gentle, being a gentle person goes such a long way toward being content And number three, give your anxieties to God in prayer with thanksgiving. Whatever it is you're anxious about, he says, turn it into a prayer and thank God for it. I I know it it sounds hard, right? It sounds too good to be true, but it works. Paul was the living example of it. Others around us that followed these practices we see the example of their lives. But it's the result of these things, he says, is this. The peace of God that goes beyond human understanding will follow your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. You see, what we're talking about today is something supernatural. It It doesn't make sense in the natural. It goes beyond human comprehension. So he says, do what? Spend your time thinking about these things. And he lists them. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about these things. All day long. The authors of human performance um, and the human performance gurus have studied how human beings can get to a high level of achievement. And um, all they had to do was read Philippians 4. And it's it's all right there. Because the the performance people will will tell you basically this, that... um, What we choose to listen to, read, and then before COVID, the people we were around, um, those are the factors that will lead to our most dominant thoughts, right? And then our most dominant thoughts lead to our expectation. And then our expectation leads to what our reality becomes. There's dozens and dozens of books that are written about these principles. Think and grow rich. Power of positive thinking. Um, Just on and on the the titles go, and they're all awesome, wonderful books. But they they go back to, it it brings it right back to to this idea of what we spend our time on, what what we allow in our mind. So our expectations, um, what we put our attentions on, those are so critical. Um, what I want to challenge you to do is to take a, a 30-day challenge. 
to limit the input that you get from negative sources. And you say, okay, well, what are the negative sources? Well, if it bleeds, it leads. That's the media's mantra, and it has been for years. See, people don't pay attention. It doesn't capture our attention when it's something nice and good. Oh, maybe for a moment, for a brief moment. But what captures our attention is things that threaten us. Why? Because our brain has been programmed on self-preservation. So our brain is constantly looking for things that might harm us, that might jeopardize our self-preservation. And so when it hears that, it, it sits up and takes notice. That's why headlines are all written in a way to capture you. Like, what did that say? And what that's really saying is your brain is saying, wait a minute, is that going to hurt me in some way? Is that going to affect me negatively in some way? And so that's why we are almost all inputs from social media, from news, from television, um, radio. It's negative, negative, negative. And it has this impact on our on what we think about. And so then that becomes our dominant thought. And then that dominant thought becomes our expectation. And our expectation becomes our reality. So if we take a 30-day challenge to just do this one thing, and that going back to what he said, just to think about what's true, what's noble, what's right, what's praiseworthy, just to focus on those things. And just, in fact, it doesn't even have to be 30 days. Just do it for a couple of days. And see if it doesn't change the way you think about the world. It is amazing, isn't it? You say, yeah, but I have to, I have to be involved in that. That's my reality. I have to know what's going on in the world. Okay, then do it for 10 minutes in the morning. And then you've got it. I promise you've got enough until the next 10 minute infusion tomorrow morning. It's just going to be a regurgitation of everything you've read in the first 10 minutes, right? Isn't that true? And watch what happens. Watch what God can do in your life. Um, I want to close out today with a time of, uh, of commitment to this. A time of, of, of reaching out to God and saying, Lord, I want to commit myself to being content in all that you've provided for me. I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life And I'm willing to do what's necessary in order to line myself up with your priorities. So what I want you to do is just bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're just going to take a moment and pray. And I want to pray this scripture for you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, today we commit ourselves to that which is true, that which is noble, that which is right, 
that which is pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. We give our hearts to those things right now. Show us how to translate that into our practical daily reality beginning with today, Sunday. And Father, I just want to pray for anyone who's watching this who is in a total fog right now and they do not know how to proceed. May they cry out on your name. I just challenge you, wherever you're at, just cry out on the name of the Lord. Just say, Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need your help. Will you guide me? Will you speak to me? Will you show me how to proceed? And if you've never asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and for Jesus to come into your heart and be your Savior, just pray that with me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need your forgiveness. I know you created me for a divine purpose. And so I commit myself to you the best I know how. Please come into my heart and be my Savior and take away my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd like to invite you to join us on our YouTube channel Friday mornings at 10 a.m. for The Truthcast, a weekly podcast from Pastor Jason. We'd also like to invite you to download the brand new New Hope 365 app where you can access media, give, and keep up with everything happening here at New Hope 365.